Hey guys, this is Brittany Parks with the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. And today I am being joined with Lucas O'Keefe. And Lucas is so awesome. Let me tell you guys why Lucas is awesome. Lucas is awesome because Lucas was a teacher, but he decided to take on like the tips from the kids and get involved in the social media and not only get involved, but crush it. And what I mean by crushing it, he got involved in TikTok. Just he went viral immediately. Then he jumped over to Instagram and now he is an Instagram coach. And when I tell you about the fact that he's not just an Instagram coach, I personally saw Lucas go from 43 followers to thousands and thousands of followers and it's still growing. We're talking about a few months. Life is too short. Trying to run a business and balance what you love. I'm your host, Brittany Parks, a former corporate marketing drone and certified life coach turned mompreneur who got fed up with the mom guilt that comes from trying to have the perfect work-life balance. Why can't we have a fit life and a fit business? I'm here to make it easier to be your own boss and enjoy your life. Tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We're going all in with interviews with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, risk takers, coaches, and side hustlers, along with solo episodes with yours truly to provide actionable tools, tactics, processes, and even case studies so you can discover how to create, maintain, and or grow a total fit lifestyle you deserve. You're listening to the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. Lucas, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, yes. So today we are going to talk about we are going to talk about how Lucas does his how he walks us through, he's gonna walk us through how he does his post, his Instagram post, where he's gone like Mr. Instagram man. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then he gives so many great nuggets. As a matter of fact, I personally call him Luca Claus. <laughs> So we are going to go through his process. He's going to teach us how he does his research all the way to posting. We're going to jump into Canva and then we're going to talk about the captions, hashtags and engagement. So let's get right into it, Lucas. Sounds good. And something I, I always point out to people who maybe discover my account um, at this point where I've been growing it for quite some time now and building it is I always refer them to my oldest posts. I say, just keep scrolling down. I haven't archived anything. I haven't deleted anything. Scroll down and you'll see just how much my content has evolved. Like I've gone through that phase of just experimenting with everything and not really having a vision. So I'm excited to speak about this because I've really put a lot of work into fine tuning my content process and I'd like to now share those tips so people don't have to go through the months and months of rough drafts and attempts that I had to go to. Good. Yeah, I'm so excited because we're, this is what I've been waiting for. So Lucas has done so many lives, but just actually seeing, being over his shoulder is awesome. Let me let everybody know, we're going to do this visually as well as we're going to do this for the podcast. So we are going to do these different things. I'm going to cut and splice up and do some wonderful things that camera tricks can do <laughs> and audio tricks can do. So we're going to make this for the podcast as well as for the YouTube. So let's get into it. Yeah. So the most important thing that I really had to realize in terms of creating content for Instagram, and that, that's content that is going to build you up as an authority figure of sorts in your niche, right? That, that always comes first, in my opinion. Become known for something, show people the value you can provide them. And then that's ultimately going to drive your business. It's going to get you customers. It's going to get you a following. So the main turning point pretty much came from when I started solving problems with my content. Instead of just treating it like a news source where I was just going to bring out various updates and news tips or just share my story too much, I decided to just start bringing people solutions. And that's where I really started to see way more saves for my content. So people were saving my content, almost like they were brief little tutorials they could refer back to. People were sharing it to their friends and other people in their network. And that's what really helped me scale and get my, my content onto the Instagram Explore page. Uh, so I would definitely say start by solving problems in the first place. 
That's excellent. And you do a great job at solving problems. It's Lucas comes up with the answers. And I didn't even know that was a problem. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that is an issue. <laughs> he solves it. Yeah. And there's definitely something strategic about how I go about getting that now, which I will start with because I do want to say, everyone says content is king. It starts with your content. And I absolutely do agree. Uh, something I, I've always known about Instagram and social media in general is the three C's, which I will incorporate these as we go through this uh, process. But those are content, community, and consistency. And there were times when maybe I had all the content, but I didn't have the community. Or maybe I had the consistency, but I didn't have the good content or the community. It really does come down to a trifecta. You want to have all three parts as equal as you can in your process. But since we're going to be looking at content, we will look at all three. But let's start with content because I realized I can just create, but the more strategy you have behind it, the more effective that content's going to be. And going along with the topic of content is king, mm -hmm. I like to say you don't need five posts in one day to get out there. One really solid, well-made post that answers the, the questions that people in your community want is ultimately going to do a lot more than five posts that only do that in a small capacity. So it really is quality over quantity, in my opinion. Because before, a lot of people used to say, oh, post, and I know that's changed, in the, in so much has changed with Instagram that mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. It's really about the information that you're putting in that makes people engage and make them want to come back versus just throwing up things for people just to like it. Yes. Yeah, you do. Exactly. Yeah. And we've seen, we do see those accounts that do go for quantity over quality, right? There are many of those, like those curation pages that have tons of content from all over that they gather, or maybe ones that will just put tons of like quotes and infographics up. Those do have a strategy, but ultimately I find the solid piece of content where you're launching one per day is what gets you that consistent engagement. Someone in your community is probably going to get pretty burnt out if they see you posting five times a day, even two <laughs> or three times a day, right? right. They're not going to, they're not going to give you that authentic engagement because at the end of the day, their feed is full of other posts, other pieces of content. They have their own priorities. So just putting one solid piece of content up there per day has been an amazing part of my strategy, which is what we'll look into. So right now we'll go through the steps that I follow pretty much from start for where I first get the idea and continuing through with what I do to make it into a piece of content, how I gear it towards answering questions, how I make it effective. So I have time to create all these posts in a week and then how I deliver it and do the follow-up engagement to really build my community. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where do we start? Yeah. So I say it starts with an idea. Where I find these ideas comes from a few different sources. And I really think it should come from a few different sources. So I actually recently put together a post that was all about my sources of inspiration for content and didn't really hide this fact, but one of my main sources of content is other creators in my community and the Instagram explore page, as well as popular blogs or YouTube channels that are also in my niche and going along with that. I think there's, there maybe used to be a bit of taboo about people using other accounts as inspiration, but something I've been very consistent with is that my brand is what brings, what has brought my account to where it is now. So my brand is at the core of everything. And my brand is who I am. Like you said, in the introduction, I'm a former school teacher who has always loved education. I've loved teaching and interacting with students and teaching people about interesting concepts. So as long as I'm applying all of these topics in the lens of my brand as that individual, I'm not copying from anybody. I'm not stealing anyone's content. And it's ultimately been a way for me to make sure that I have popular content ideas that are going to be successful. And if nobody's talking about it, then it's probably not of interest to anybody. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and that's the thing is there are only so many different topics we can cover in our niche. So the challenge shouldn't fall on us to think of something brand new that nobody has explored. It's great if you can, but ultimately what you want to do is give the people what they want. 
And even if you've seen other creators in your niche cover this topic, let's say the popular ones for my niche, which is Instagram, Instagram business coaching is hashtag strategy or how they, like we're talking about now, where they find inspiration for their content or how to engage with people. These are the common ones, but I tried to take these topics and put my own twist on it. So it's not just hashtag strategy. It's how Lucas finds and uses his hashtags, or it's how Lucas finds his content inspiration. And because it's in that lens and because I've put all that work into my personal brand, I've never been accused of, you know, stealing content from this person or taking ideas from the explore page. And it's actually quite funny because it inevitably happens if you have a big enough community where you'll post, you'll put together a post and on the exact same day, someone else in your community is going to cover the exact (laughs) same topic. Um, and, and there's a guy named Ethan. He's a friend of mine who all like, it's just completely coincidental, but I think three times now we've posted the exact same topic on the exact same day, minutes apart. Like we uploaded our posts minutes apart. So (laughs) nobody's not that I assume, not that I even, you know, questioned this, but obviously nobody's copying the other person because they have a full fledged post going up minutes after them. Um, but it just happens. Right. However, like we, however, they're both very different posts. So mm-hmm. it almost works. It almost works to our, both of our benefit to do that because people will hop on his comments and they'll say, Oh, this reminds me like Lucas posts about this today. And he added this in, these are great posts together. Like I'm learning so much about this topic. And likewise for me to get back to the topic of finding your content inspiration, there are so many places you can look and it's okay to borrow ideas from other accounts because again, a, a quote I, I heard recently was success leaves clues. Right. Right. So if something is working um, for someone else, it's probably going to work for you. Just deliver it in a thoughtful way in a meaningful way that is unique to your account. Yeah. I really like that concept because the way that you're explaining it, because think about it like this. I have on a black shirt. I've seen you have on a black shirt. We could have easily had on a black shirt at the same time. We don't have on the same black shirt. They're black shirts, but I'm wearing mine totally different than how you would wear yours. I'm presenting it totally different. It's probably a different brand, but we're both wearing black shirts. So again, it's giving people what they want because that's saying somebody else is doing it here. It's probably popular and and it's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that concept of the way that you're saying that it's not you're borrowing the, the idea not the content exactly and, and that's a great distinction to make right the idea and the content are very different so to continue on and how i make it my own like you said after i have that initial idea i like to confirm that it's a good idea that's going to work for my audience because if i'm using the explore page for example or another large account in my niche just because it was successful for that person, it doesn't always mean that it's going to be for me. So what I'll do as a follow-up to just reaffirm that I have a good topic for my audience is I'll use, you know, the many Instagram features. It's a great platform for engagement. And that's why I think it's such a powerful business tool. I'll use stories or I'll use Instagram lives and the Q and a sticker there, or I will use my DMS or comments. So just look at all the different pretty much sources of data that your community has given you post a story and say, Hey, what do you want to know about hashtag strategy? And then the feedback will come in and that's how you can tailor the content towards your community from there. And it's going to be unique for the people who follow and support you. Gotcha. Okay. So after that, I found my idea. I confirmed it's going to work for my audience. I'm usually ready to start making the content. So I can actually, since we're going to go through that process, I'll be sharing my screen in a moment. Okay. And um, as we discussed, I'm all about using Canva. And just a bit of background on me, like you said, I'm a school teacher. I'm not a graphic designer. I still don't consider myself a graphic designer. I won't, won't, I'm unlikely to ever consider myself a a graphic designer. (laughs) That being said, Canva was a tool I've been using for several years before I even got into social media because I was using it to design like worksheets and projects for kids. So like project templates, like PowerPoints almost, and just like worksheets, I was designing those on Canva 
it's such a powerful tool regardless of what format you're using. And that's why I love it personally. And that's what I love that you're doing, that you don't have, because most of us don't have a graphic designer background. And so right. you doing this on Canva is actually one of the things that's most attractive to your skills is because mm -hmm. you're able to compete with graphic designers without actually having a graphic designer background. Absolutely. Like I, I've said since the start, Canva really bridges the gap for many people who don't have that graphic design background and who otherwise would have to pay their money to outsource it, which is hard when this is your side hustle or something you're working up towards. You don't have, time is already a very essential resource, let alone money. So Canva is a great way to help you get that uh, catch up. It doesn't mean we're going to be like, you can always tell who is a graphic designer, right. but you don't need to be perfect. Canva is a great tool to deliver your content and deliver your message. So I don't um, know, Lucas, I have to say. <laughs> tricked me i thought you were a graphic designer <laughs> I, re I remember that came up in one of our one of our first conversations yeah. thank you um, yeah. let's make that into a, a canva testimonial I'm exactly sure um, so i'll share my screen okay and if you can just are you okay? are you able to see all that yes yes okay so right away i've specifically opened up on an pretty much a, a spread out view a zoomed out view, you might say, mm -hmm. of my post. Because uh, the format I typically use is what we call the Instagram carousel, very popular on Instagram right now. And for those who don't know, it is more than just a single image post. Instagram get, lets you put up to 10 separate images or photos into one post now. And it's been called the carousel because you can swipe, right? From each of the, swipe through the posts like a rotating carousel. At least that's where I think the name came from. <laughs> So, but wait, before you go any further, sure. how did you get this visual? Because this is like a visual that you'd see an illustrator or something. How did you get yes, this? Yes, that's a great, that's a great question. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so for the zoomed out view, and it's a great tool to just see how your project is coming together. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at it in isolation, one slide at a time, you might miss out on some key things or some errors. So I always recommend this. I'm going to quickly go back to the typical view. So what you should see now is just yes. one slide at a time. But in the bottom right corner of your screen on Canva, mm -hmm. there should be a few options. So you have the option to zoom in your individual view. But mm -hmm. if you go to this middle option, it's called the thumbnail view and click on it. It then zooms out and shows you all the different pages you've currently put together. Likewise, there's also the full screen, which I like too. It's, it's like the presenter mode you're used to on PowerPoint. That's also another great way to really look at each post in isolation to see what you're dealing with. Let me go back to the thumbnail. Wow, so we're able to take a look at all of the, all of the, the, the slides in the carousel all at once, just like we were graphic designers. So exactly, I'm yes. Loving like it said, already. <laughs> and, this, and this is what I've seen on Illustrator. People see that like full on like artboard that they're working on and mm -hmm. this is a great way to do it. So yeah, what I like to do, the carousel is super important because it is just a way to maximize your value in one post. Like we said at the beginning, content is super important. You want to go for quality over quantity though. So instead of posting five individual posts in a day or 10, like a carousel is, it is one single post that is going to show up on someone's feed thanks to the algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. One single post they're going to discover and without having to visit tons of different posts on my account, they're able to see a very concrete presentation that I've put in one single post. They're going to give authentic comments. They're going to share it. They're going to save it. And then they move on. So that's why the carousel is an extremely effective way to communicate and to get followers on Instagram that also become customers because you are showing your knowledge, you're showing your expertise. And that's very important. Okay. So what I do, and I want to highlight this because the most important thing I do for my day-to-day -day schedule is I've pretty much established templates of my own. Okay. So templates, we know they make things quick and effective. The important, uh, the reason why I've used them is because in the past I didn't have templates and it almost felt like every day I sat down to design a post, I had to teach myself from scratch all over again, what I was doing. Maybe I had to, experiment with different layouts of my font right. or different placements of my imagery because I didn't know what would work well. 
Now what I do, and people who have seen my content know this, I have like the same placement of my overall title, the same placement of my dominant cover image. And I'll, and I'll go into these in detail in a moment, but by knowing where things are going to go based on what type of information I'm delivering, it really speeds up my process. So I definitely recommend anyone who wants to be posting every day or a few days a week, decide on templates. So have a standard look for your carousels. Maybe you like to post those quote, the single page quotes, have a layout that works for those. Maybe you like to have just images of yourself, but with some like text over overlaid on it, have a standard font, have a standard placement. And that's ultimately going to speed up your process. And it's going to give you a nice unified look as well, which I think is very important on Instagram. Right. Okay. So going into it, let me get out of thumbnail view and we'll start looking at the post. Here is one of my most recent posts. Like I said, the topic for anybody who can't see it is grow your Instagram using guest posts. And like I said, the reason why I made this content is because I was seeing tons of people start to post guest posts on some of the bigger accounts in their niche. And it's a great strategy. I've done it before. You basically design a post free of charge, right? And you give it to one of the big accounts. You obviously arrange with them beforehand that you're going to do this, but you give them a post, they put it on their account and maybe they have an audience of 50,000 people. Now, many of those 50,000 followers are going to have their eyes on your post when normally they wouldn't. So it's a great opportunity. I saw the need for this piece of content because people were starting to ask about guest posts. They were starting to say, Lucas, I want to do a guest post on your account, but I don't know how to do that. Or I saw a guest post on this account with 50,000 followers. How could I get that opportunity? So well, I how, already, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I apologize. But tell us, how do we know, is it because of the last slide that you share who actually did the guest post? How do they get credit or yeah, get exposure? That's a great question too. What you'll notice in the bottom of every single post I have, and many creators do this, mm -hmm. you put what's called your branding element. So you'll put your name, you'll put your, your Instagram handle, you'll put your business maybe. And then the final slide, so if I go to my thumbnail view, the final slide, like you pointed out, is typically the call to action slide. So this is one that's, like I said, my template, these elements are almost always the same on every post, my final slide. It basically just says, give me a follow for more Instagram tips and maybe has a quick question or call to action that is specific to that post and a large photo of me. Typically on a guest post, that's where that, if this was a guest post on my account, it wouldn't be a photo of me. It would be a photo of whoever the, the creator of the post would be. And their name would probably be on most slides just so they get the credit as the creator of the post. Great. Thanks for the clarification yep. there. So that was just something that it was a topic that many people wanted to know about. I confirmed it because I put in my stories a quick question. I said, do you want to know more about guest posts? And it was a yes or no poll. And I think 88% of people voted yes. And of that, I think about 500 people from my community voted. So that's telling me right there, okay, if I do a post on how to get a guest post opportunity, it's probably going to do quite well because I have the evidence from my community. So let me clarify, whenever you do a post, are you doing a poll question before all of your posts or, or just, are live or something before almost all? Or So that's something I just started doing. Okay. I wasn't doing it in the past, but now that I've been much more active on stories, that's why I tell people, get on the stories, make a habit of showing up there so your audience starts looking for you there. Mm -hmm. Since I'm now quite active on stories and I've received great feedback for my content creation, I do it almost all the time. What I like to do just more generally speaking, because I might not have an idea, I'll just put up a question. What do you want to know about Instagram growth? And, and people with the Q&A sticker, people can easily just submit their questions very wide open. Likewise, let's say it works for any niche. Let's say someone's in a personal trainer, right? what muscle group do you want exercises for? Or what aspect of nutrition are you having ops? Are you facing obstacles with? You can just put a very open question and let people give you the ideas. And Instagram's great because when you put a sticker like that in your story, it makes it just like the thumbnail view I have on Canva. It almost 
shows all of your answers that people give you or all of the questions people are giving you in your sticker in mm -hmm. a nice zoomed out view. So you can then look at what the most common ones are. For example, I do that. And one I get all the time is what is your hashtag strategy? People ask me that consistently. So tomorrow, which is, I'm actually going to be putting out a, a piece of content on my hashtag strategy. And I'm probably going to do a few more on it because it comes up so often. So yeah, I use feedback for almost every post now. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Good. So as I go through there, like I said, I now have my content idea. What I try to do as best I can, I try to design the first slide first. So the opening cover slide, you okay. might, some people do this the opposite way. They do it last because they want to make sure the cover slide really captures what the post is about. And sometimes you can't know that until the post is done, of course, but I typically go the other way. I like to make sure someone is going to see my cover slide and immediately know which problem it's going to solve for them. I like to use a lot of attention grabbing words for my niche, like Instagram. And you'll notice I use the Instagram font because someone who sees the app every day, that's going to catch their attention mm -hmm. more than just if I used my typical font for Instagram. So use the actual logo. And then I use, I think about my niche, which arguably is Instagram growth. And I use words that are, people are going to recognize and be attracted to. So my title for this one, for those who can't see is grow your Instagram right there, a perfect for my niche, grow your Instagram with guest posts. So the with guest post part is unique to this topic, but the grow your Instagram part is very common to my audience and very common to my niche in general. And that's important. Yes. Now tell us what you always have big, bold font. What's your typical mm -hmm. font size? That's a great question. And, and this will vary because sometimes the fonts like something that is like 20 size 20 for one font might be like size 60 for another font. Mm -hmm. But typically I like my font to take up about half, maybe a little bit less half of my post canvas. So half the space that my post has is going to be taken up by my headlines. This one in particular, just so we can show, it's about 100 and size 118. Which varies. Yes, yeah. And you can see, so that's actually, so your question actually led me into this. If you look, the word grow here, so again, my title, grow your Instagram. Grow is a shorter word, or sorry, a longer word than your, not mm -hmm. by much, but it, if I hadn't made, if I made them the exact same font, they wouldn't line up perfectly. So something I recommend for people to try is go line by line and try to make sure all of your title fonts or title words are lined up. Almost they make a rectangle shape or a block. Other people, I've seen posts that don't do this and it almost looks like a staircase or it's very jumbled and it doesn't have as neat and organized a first impression to make if you do that. This is actually a designer tip because I never knew how to make it look like the words all were in the right row. In your mind, you're like, okay, do I left center this? Do I right center this? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? And this is a great tip uh, just to be able to say, take each word line by line and adjust the font size so it, it's even and it lines up with one another. And as I continue on, something that is, I was just taught this tip recently from a graphic designer. So I'm always learning and uh, I can, graphic designers can quickly help me. Like they, they know so much. Something I've recently learned that I've just been applying with great results is to line everything up. And I don't just mean the font. So yeah, my title is all lined up, but if you look, I have my, I have like the number one in the mm -hmm. bottom left corner to show that there's a slide one that's lined up with my title as well. And they make a perfectly straight line going down. The image I have is almost perfectly lined up. So there is an image of a girl exercising. She's like jumping for joy and her head is almost lined up perfectly with where my font starts. Everything is very uniform and the layout is lined up and connected. And you'll notice as I go through the different slides, that that's very important. And it's a quick and easy way to make sure your font stays uniform and looks appealing to the eye when someone reads it. Right. Um, the last thing I do just to go into designing cover photos it, like the, the first slide, the one that people are going to see on their feed, you want it to be grab, you want it to grab attention. So like you pointed out, I use very bold fonts. The one I use is Proxima Nova. I just, but there are times there's Anton, which is a common one on Canva, League Gothic, League Spartan. 
Babis New. There are tons of great ones that are really bold, blocky fonts that people use for headlines. And those are all on Canva. Mine, which is Proxima Nova, is not on Canva, but Canva actually makes it easy to add fonts as well. Gotcha. What I do with my backgrounds though, in addition to having a nice attention grabbing title, I also have one big central image, right? So like I said, this image is a girl exercising or she's jumping for joy. She's very excited, has tons of bright, vibrant colors on her outfit. That's all intentional because you want something that's going to grab someone's attention. And I'm, I try to be as consistent as I can with my imagery. We see on Instagram, someone might use like sci-fi robots on all their posts because that grabs attention for their audience. Someone might use just cartoons. Someone might just use cursive font and no images whatsoever, but more vibrant colors. Right. doesn't matter. There are different benefit pros and cons for each, but I like having a consistent visual style. So for me, my consistent visual style is I use people, right? Social media is a very, like again, social platform. So we are naturally drawn to other people and images of other people. So that's worked really well for me. Um, and that's how I, that's why I use the imagery that I use. I find all my images on Canva. So I do pay for Canva pro. It's one of the few tools I do pay for, but it's way cheaper than like you said, Adobe illustrator or Adobe right. Photoshop. <laughs> it's very cheap and you get access to this amazing photo library when you pay for it. You do get, you get access for free as well, but the photos are limited. This image I have right here, the reason why I love Canva is because if I drag it around, you can see that the girl doesn't have a background on her photo. And that's a very common tool is people want to be able to add the photo on any background because I have this nice blue background, right? Mm -hmm. Typically it's difficult to do if you're not used to Photoshop, but Canva has an amazing background remover tool. So let me try to find this original image that I used Or you can for. just try any image. That's true. Yes. So let's get, let's go with, let's go with this one. Okay. Okay. So I have an image right here, has a yellow background. Normally, let me just delete this for now. Normally this wouldn't work, right? Because the background of, I have a photo, it's a stock photo of a girl pointing, which is perfect. She's pointing to my text. That'll really grab someone's attention and direct where they should look. But she has a yellow background. My posts usually have a blue background. The great thing about Canva, while you have the photo selected, if you go to effects in the top left corner, and this again, this is only with Canva Pro, you need to pay for this feature. It's included with your subscription, so it's not an addition. But the first tool right there is the background remover. It takes a bit of time, but if you click it, sometimes there are bugs with the background remover. I will say that. And I yeah, just, I've noticed a few yeah. bugs, but overall, <laughs> I just refresh. Yes. If you refresh your page, it usually fixes it. But it really, bit, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's always my go-to. But just like that, the amount of time we were talking about that, that's how long it took. And now the yellow background is completely gone, and I now have this image of. Uh, just this woman here who is pointing uh, towards my post. So now that's something I could easily insert into my post. As you can see, I can even overlay her on the text if I want because the background doesn't cut it off. And finally, every once in a while, if the person is facing the wrong direction, try to use the flip tool. So again, in the top left on Canva, they have a quick flip tool and you can always flip the person very easily to have them pointing in the other direction. So I always say go for one single dominant image on a nice vibrant background. That's my style. It usually grabs people's attention. And that's what goes into my cover photos, which is very important for a post. Now, what makes your background so vibrant? Yeah, so this is, uh, that's a great question too, because Canva does have backgrounds on the, again, on the menus on the left, Canva does have backgrounds to choose from. I rarely use them actually. So instead I just go into the photo tab and I'll outright type like blue texture, right? Okay. Or blue background or blue gradient. And then you immediately get tons of different varieties that you might want to use. Some of them might be too dark. Some of them might be too light. But when I have my central color as my background, I can usually overlay any image I want. And if you drag a picture so it's big enough, Canva will automatically set it as your background. So just like that, it's my background. But obviously 
when an image is like too dark or whatnot, something I always try first is if you change the transparency, which makes it see-through, change the transparency. And just by doing that, if, you're, if your colored background is like your brand color and you make it very see-through, all of a sudden you can get both. You can have the nice texture and your brand color. So that's just something I do to really get a variety of different backgrounds for my post. Okay, so from there, uh, again, spoke, spoke in detail about the cover photo because it's very important. But as I go through the next slides, there are some things that you can make nice and quick. So going through my next slides, I like to set the tone with the second and the third slide of my post. Mm -hmm. So for this one in particular, since it's about guest posts, I've said something that's going to something that's going to be relatable and just grab someone's attention. So I said, having one audience is awesome. Having two audiences is even better. Right. And I use, again, I have all my text lined up along the same margin, even my images as well. And that's just what keeps it nice and uniform, nice and organized. And it's going to grab someone's attention. Everyone would love two audiences instead of just one. Great. So how did you, what did you decide this is the content that I'm going to put here? So are you, do you have bullet points somewhere else that you keep this information? I, I know there are quite a few people who would like to have like a Google doc or a word document and they, mm -hmm. they have a template. So they'll go like slide one. Here's my title slide two. Here's what I write slide three. I like to make it up as I go. I have a general idea of what I want to say, but because layout is very important, I like to make sure it lines up perfectly. So here I have having two audiences. Is, better, is even better. And it makes almost a perfect block of text. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I write it out beforehand and go to type it into my post in Canva, I realize that because of the words I use, it doesn't line up perfectly. So mm -hmm. I like to just, I like to write it on the spot so I can visualize how it's gonna look on my post as I type it. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, so again, take about two slides and just set the tone. I go into guest posts are the way to do this. So how can you get the opportunity? So I always tie it back to putting the question in someone's head. What are they going to accomplish? Here's a thing that they didn't even realize they wanted to know, and I'm now going to help them with it. Gotcha. So that usually gets people to keep going through, and that's within the first three slides of my post. Then I really go into solving the problem. There are many creators who their style is more to tell a story. So they go through and they just, they just tell a story for seven slides and then on the final one or the final two that's where they give like the quick actionable tips for people to follow it's a great approach i have just found great results from give people the facts give people the tips here's the problem you're going to solve here's how they can do it as clear cut as possible and that's what works really well for me gotcha which which actually makes it quite easy to design the rest of my posts i more or less just go step by step I try to make it, let's say five steps. Five is a great number for teaching something, right? Five, three, five, seven. Do this in three steps. Do this in five steps. And yeah, I heard odd numbers yeah. are as actually research shows that people oh. are attracted to odd numbers than even numbers. See, I, I never knew like that was a thing, but I totally see why now because those are my examples. Three, five, seven. It, it just sounds right. <laughs> yeah. And then to even share a copywriter, uh, Kristen, shout out to Kristen. Kristen also told me that if you do even, uh, numbers are, that are even more odd, like 4.23 or something like okay. that's even more attractive. <laughs> it breaks the norm. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, because sometimes people like to celebrate their Instagram community with, we hit 500 followers post. And mm -hmm. I've seen some people will do like a random number. Like we hit 532 followers. Like, here we go. Yeah. They'll make that a big celebration, which is, it grabs attention. But yeah, because I follow steps, it makes my content very easy to design. Anyone looking at this post will realize I have a slide. Step one, here's what you do for step one. Here's why it's important. Step two, here's what you do for step two. Here's why it's important. Step three, and I keep going through. Occasionally I'll spend a bit more time on a slide or I'll, I'll do like a supporting slide that gives more information, but it makes it very easy if you just go through the steps that someone who has their phone in their hand and wants to accomplish this can read your post. And then if they want to, they can go try to accomplish it right away. That's what I like to do for my content. And that's what's really gotten me great results. Guys, I definitely encourage you to go look at this post it's already posted and it's great information lucas has actually included 
a script that you use that you could use to send to someone to ask them for a guest post. So this is great. So this is the same thing that you could do for your business. You could give them a script of how they maybe could pitch to someone or how they could do something within your ideal clients, whatever they need. Think of the things that they need and supply the steps. Yeah, and, and one of the biggest metrics that we should shoot for on Instagram is saves, right? If someone saves your post, it tells the algorithm that it's a valuable post and it also keeps your content in that person's pocket. You might say, right. They might That's go back. That's why you this. show up on me. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. And, and they might go back and check their saves and go, Oh, there's four of Lucas's posts. So it's, it's a great goal to shoot for to just stay present in a potential customer or audience member's mind. So I've found like you said, the best metric or sorry, the best thing I can add to a piece of content to get a save is a script, a template, uh, a checklist, something that they can look at and say, this is going to help me. I'm going to save it for when I need it. And that's what really works for me. So probably my number one tip I can give for creating content, solve problems, make it very easy to solve those problems for people. Yeah. I think that's a great tip to, to actually make it savable where they have to, because it's something yeah, I have to yeah. see. Yeah. Because before you could quickly do a screenshot, but no, I need all of this information. It's best to save it. And, and that's actually, you raise a really good point about why the carousels are quite valuable. When it used to just be single posts, a screenshot was probably the best way to do it. Cause then it's in your photo gallery and you, you probably look at that more than your saved posts. But now that a carousel is like 10 slides, it's like a, it's like a book someone has to open they have to save it as opposed to just screenshot it. So that's a, that's a great point as well. Yes, because most of your posts look like tiny eBooks. Yes, yeah. Yes, you actually have lots of content that you could just open up a library now. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. The, one of the best tips I can give to someone, it, it takes a lot of organization, but it, it pays off. Mm -hmm. If you plan your content, like the table of contents of an eBook, and then every post, you just put out another, like the next section of your hypothetical ebook. At the end of the day, when all your posts are done and you've pretty much made an Instagram post for every section of that table of contents, it is not very difficult to just put it all together as an ebook. And more often than not, someone could say, but you just put out all the information. It's on your Instagram. I say people pay for convenience. People pay for things that solve their problems quickly and have it all in one place. So even though I could tell people, you can buy my ebook or you can go look at my Instagram, all the info is there, just gotta look post by post, people are still probably gonna pay for the ebook just because yes. it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> we've all done it. Like I've bought things for that exact reason. Great point. Yep, so the last thing I'll say with my content is beyond the initial cover photo, which is highly visual, I don't actually put a great deal of visuals for the rest of it. I find once I've grabbed someone's attention and they are swiping through the remaining slides, my large font really handles the rest. My nice, uh, bright, vibrant colors handle the rest. And most importantly, the value handles the rest. So I like to make it just very text-based, but it's all about finding your style, right? Some people frown upon some things that are very text-heavy. Uh, a way, a workaround I found for that is use different, what's called hierarchy of text. So on the example I'm giving right now, for those not who can't see it, it says step one at the top, and that is the largest font. It is double the size of any other font on this slide. So step one is at the very top. It's a hierarchy. So the biggest, most vibrant font is right at the top. Underneath that, I drop in size a little bit. So it says, here's the step, find an account in your niche that has a strong audience. That is the next detail, but it's already dropped to half the size of that font. So it's a little bit smaller. And then at the very bottom where I give the tips because it, I need more space, it's the smallest font. So it's very small and organized. It really directs how people read your post. People read based on the size of the font. So if you start with the biggest at the top, and then gradually go down like a hierarchy, they're gonna read it in order. It's gonna guide them through your post already. Gotcha. A quick tip on that, because I know you're asking about font sizes. 
someone again, who is a graphic designer told me this, try to have the font in proportion to one another by being either twice as big or four times as big. So use two times and four times. So that's why this is all the same font, but the biggest one is size 120. The next font is half that. So it's size 60. And then the smallest font is a quarter of that. So it's size 30. So 30 times four is 120. 60 times two is 120. So have it all in proportion because it's nice and appealing to the eye, as people say. This is great content. <laughs> From there, I go through the steps. Again, I don't want to confuse people. Just give them the solutions. Tell them what they can do, what they can follow to accomplish this problem. And then I get to the final two slides, which I'll briefly speak about. Like I said, saves are important. So you will almost always notice the second last slide of my post, because I find a lot of people don't read the last slide. For, the, for those who have seen this post or any of my posts, the final slide of a carousel, slide 10, is almost always the same. It's a picture of me, the content creator. It's a quick call to action, right? So people often recognize that pattern and they stop, they almost stop taking the final slide seriously, you might say, and they will ignore it. So many people will only read the first nine slides of your 10 slide post, which is why I always put the, the largest amount of value, I squeeze it into that second last slide. So what people would be seeing on my screen right now is it's a list of essential reminders and a bonus tip. It is a checklist that people can, if they didn't get all the value from the step-by-step -step instructions, they're going to get it here. Here's a checklist, tells them everything they need to know. That's what makes people save. And that's why I put on the second last, because again, someone might not want, might, someone might not go all the way through your post. It's a great but tip. But they'll usually <laughs> make it to slide nine. Yeah. Great tip. Yeah. And that's about it. That's a post. If someone were to compare it to my other posts, again, they'll see it's very templated. I follow the same steps, vibrant cover slide, two quick, two quick slides to set the tone, set the topic. One, two, three, four, five of straight value that just show the steps, a quick checklist to summarize, and then a picture of me with a call to action. That's, that's all you have to really do. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> what we'd like to know is now that we have the post together, what happens next? Yes. So exactly. Again, only so many hours in the day, but this isn't even the most time consuming part, I will say, but to, to answer people's, which is, I'm sure this is probably a question because it's something I'm always intrigued to know. Someone maybe wants to know how long this takes me in the past. It made like a post that I just detailed. Again, I know I spoke about it for a while, probably would have taken me about three hours, which is a long period of time, especially if you're doing one per day. Mm -hmm. Now that I've made a template of it, now that I understand my layout and have a very streamlined process, I, I could probably make one of these in 30 minutes. So I will say to people, it gets faster. It gets more time effective. Your first one, your first five will take a lot of time, but uh, seek feedback from your audience, seek feedback from graphic designers, and it'll really streamline the process and you'll get it, you'll get it pretty quick down the road. Gotcha. Okay. Because that's 90% time savings there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely does. It does get faster, which does bring us into the next step. After I have a complete post, I like to upload it to Facebook creator studio. Do you use that yourself or... You know what? I actually don't use that. And I've said I was going to start doing it. I use Tailwind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So same idea, right? There are uh -huh. tons of post scheduling um, softwares out there and I don't really have a preference. Mm -hmm. I say find one that works for you. Uh, so there's like later, there's Planoly as well. There's tons. Facebook Creator Studio is just one. It, it was newly implemented when I joined Instagram. So I just got used to it. Mm -hmm. But it's just a platform where you upload your post, you put your caption, you put your hashtags, and then you can schedule when the post is going to go up. So you don't have to be at your phone right there doing everything last minute, which helps me. So I will use Creator Studio. I'll upload my post and I will as quickly as I can. So if I just created the post, I try to then do the caption immediately. And the reason for that is the post is fresh in my mind. I just, you know, spent... 30 minutes, previously three hours designing it. Right. And I know what I want to say about it. So I recommend that people try to do the caption or even just do like jot notes for the caption as quickly as you can, because you want to do it while the post is fresh in your mind. 
and captions are similar to designing a post. I do an opening line that grabs someone's attention, right? I think for this guest post one, I said, I don't consider myself a graphic designer, but I've still received thousands of followers from the guest posts I've done for big accounts, right? So it grabs someone's attention. It's me not, it's me admitting to something that I'm not a graphic designer. It's me giving an appealing outcome that I got tons of followers from something and that I've done guest posts. It tells people what the topic is. So I always do, yeah, do a quick sentence that's nice and snappy. It's gonna grab someone's attention because people do read captions. People always, people always wonder if captions actually get read. And I do find that they are frequently read if you are strategic enough about it. Yes, um, you're yeah. right. And I always read your captions. You oh, always you. have, <laughs> yes, you always have great content inside of the caption along with the actual graphic itself. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> and they absolutely should go hand in hand together. They should support one another, like the caption mm -hmm. and the post. The caption is an extension of the post. So what I do after that quick line, I very briefly, as if I'm speaking, and this is a common thing we hear about blogging, right? When you're, when we blog, we think about how can you write in a way that someone is going to read as if you are speaking to them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say should be the same for captions. Don't make it too formal. Don't make it robotic. Just pretty much give your thoughts on why you made this post, why you feel it's important, and then ask a quick question. Have you gone for a guest post opportunity yet? Or what's your hashtag strategy? Or how do you find your content ideas? Something quick that if someone has read for that long, they are going to have an easy way to comment by answering that question. Gotcha. Okay. Cause you're averaging about a thousand new followers a week. Now you're, mm -hmm. you are probably less than that now, but you are just <laughs> blowing through. What would you say? Would you say your hashtags has a lot to do with that? Would you say it's your engagement? What would you say is really pushing it? The so guest would, posting? <laughs> <laughs> at one point it was, yeah. yeah. Now I would definitely say, if we go back to those three C's, the content, which is, which is really helping me, but mm -hmm. also the, the community. So now that I have spent all this time building up a really strong community, mm -hmm. And I have those people who I feel just like my brand. They like mm -hmm. my content. They like me. That's been the ultimate goal. Yeah. You're a likable and, guy. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I like. The common thing people say is that no, be known, be liked, be trusted. Mm -hmm. And I heard that from a business seminar a few months ago and absolutely agree with it because now I finally, I've experienced it firsthand and I can yeah. definitely speak for how important it is. So that's why I say to people, we see people who, who take shortcuts on Instagram. Maybe they do like the follow people, then unfollow them, or they use like engagement groups or bots. I had an account years ago. It was a NBA, like basketball fan page account. Mm -hmm. And I used every dirty trick in the book to get followers for it. And I had no community whatsoever. I got to 5,000 followers, but gave up on the account because it had horrible engagement, unless it was from engagement groups or shady tactics. Right. And it didn't keep me motivated. So now I'm, I'm glad I made that mistake because to answer your question of how I grow, it is, now, it is now on the legs of the community I have. They regularly share my content to their stories. I go on live and having yes, you a great audience on the live and always a blast to have you in the audience as well because it's so fun. And I hope you can vouch for this, but it's always, it's a fun time in the comments on my lives. I, I aim to have that, that climate going on. I could definitely vouch for it. And I have to tell, I have to tell the audience this. Now, <laughs> Lucas is so fun that at the end of one of his lives, I was just like, make a funny face. <laughs> And I had no idea why. <laughs> well, it, we were actually talking about personal branding. And yes. the thing is that a lot of times we are just get so serious and we're just so mm -hmm. into our professional, we're giving the information and all of those different things. And when you show a real side of yourself that you're not afraid to just look silly, be silly, make a funny face, because the thing is, ultimately we all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all do the yes. different things. And we like to see that person is real. And for me to write a, to write in the comments, Hey, make a silly face. And you respond to it shows that no trust factor. So yep. as being a sure. part of the community, you're great. No, but being a part of the community, people see the funny side. Hey, this guy is real. And I know I like, can trust him because I can go hang out at a pub or hang out with him. And 
He's my buddy. Yeah. Exactly. And something extremely interesting I've realized lately, because regardless of your niche, regardless of your business, regardless of your brand, when you go on Instagram, there are always those big fish accounts, right? There are those accounts that have, let's say more than 50K followers. Some of them are like 100,000, 150,000, even more. And obviously we join our niche and we're in awe of these accounts. We look up to them. We learn a lot for them, from them. But something I've realized lately, very few of those accounts build their profile or build their following by showing up on stories and showing up on lives, even showing up on video. So something I realized, and there are a few other Instagram creators in my niche who are around the same size as my account. And we have some very powerful communities because we focused on not just having 150,000 followers, but we focus on having, let's say 10,000 followers and 90% of them know who we are. They support us and they love our personality. They love our brand. And that's actually something I've noticed that is a bit of a shortcoming for some of the really big accounts out there because they've almost, not by any fault of their own, lost touch with their community a little bit because of how much they've grown and how large their account is. So absolutely speak for using stories on Instagram, use Instagram lives, any way you are comfortable and can show up and give an authentic glimpse into your life is going to help you out on this platform. That's great. Great. So how do you get your hashtags? Is there a method for that? Yeah. So hashtags are probably the biggest headache on Instagram. I would say <laughs> you can read tons of guides on mm -hmm. different tactics and strategies. And sometimes they'll work. Sometimes they will give you zero reach. So I always tell people, don't worry too much about hashtags because it is the most frequent question I get asked, but there are some ways you can be strategic about it. The way I do it is more or less what I've done is I've gone individually hashtag by hashtag. I found one that might work for my account. Let's say hashtag Instagram growth and I apply it. I, I, I put it through the ringer to see if it's going to be a good fit for my account. So very briefly, I'll go through the steps I might follow if I'm trying to evaluate a hashtag. One second, my dog's like freaking out with a sin, with a slipper. Is that picking up? No, we're good. Okay. We're good. I'll take it away from her if it is. No. She's like, <laughs> she's like shaking a little slipper around. Oh, I, oh, is that what that was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cute. Oh, oh guys, Luke has a new puppy. Yes. It has yeah. a new puppy. We're, we're just making this whole thing happen. I'm in a storage closet. He's got a new <laughs> puppy. We've got all kinds of things going on, but this is what business is, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hashtags. Yeah. So mm -hmm. every time, so what I do is it, it does take a lot of time up front, but if you really put this procedure in place for each hashtag you might try and use, it does pay off in the long run because whenever you find out that a hashtag works for you, you now can put it in your hashtag bank and you can cycle through it and use it in the future. So what I do, whenever I have a potential hashtag that falls under my radar, the first thing I do is I search up that hashtag on Instagram so I can see what the top and recent posts are for it. And what you want to do once you take a look at this section, let, again, let's say hashtag Instagram growth. I can actually, I can share our screen and go through this. I believe. Okay. Let me just see if you can search up hashtags on Instagram desktop. I don't know. Okay, you cannot, so I will keep going. Okay, <laughs> what I do is when you search up a hashtag and click on it, you can all of a sudden see all the top posts for it. And our goal with hashtags is to show up as one of the top posts for that hashtag. So what I do is I look at the average engagement of the posts that are there. So if there's a top post for that hashtag and it has 10,000 likes, that is a very popular post. It's a very popular hashtag. My post that maybe gets 500 likes is not going to really compete in that hashtag. Mm -hmm. So that tells me this isn't the hashtag for me right now. And I'll go back to the drawing board and keep looking till you find hashtags that have a similar amount that have top posts with a similar amount of engagement as what you can expect. From there, I narrow it down. So if a hashtag meets that requirement, I then look at the pictures that are showing up on top posts for that hashtag because Instagram actually, the hashtags give tons of info to the algorithm. So what they do is they actually scan the visual identity of your post as well. Mm. 
a good example I like to use is let's say I'm posting a quote. So it's just a solid background color of text with a quote going across the screen, a, a popular format we know on Instagram. If I were to then look at the top post for that for a hashtag I was thinking of using, and I don't see any quotes, I just see pictures of maybe influencers to so just photos of people. It's probably not the right hashtag for me because Instagram groups posts based on the common visual identity of that hashtag too. So oh. that's the second thing I look for. Yeah. And then from there again, so I, we're going through the ringer. It's like a funnel. If I see like a pretty common identity that matches my post, I'll keep using that hashtag. And then finally, the last step, I want to make sure the hashtag is recently used and that it's relevant. So I will just look at the top posts or the recent posts and just make sure they've been posted within the last day or two. If the top post or the recent post on that hashtag were posted like a month ago, it's what we call a dead hashtag, meaning people probably don't use it anymore or it doesn't have that much traffic. So you don't want to use those either. Great tip. Great tip. Hmm. And from there, I just put together a collection that fits my post and I put it all together. I, I use, I try to use the full 30 that are given to me and post up, put the post up. And then I really focus on engagement as soon as that post goes live. Okay. All right. And so when you engage, are you jumping in DMs? Are you, what are you doing for your engagement? Yeah. And that's something that has evolved with my account. So I've seen different, there are different phases you can go through. Many people like to do the two-way engagement where before you post, you go comment on a bunch of other people's posts mm -hmm. and that's going to give them an alert. Oh, Lucas gave me engagement. I'm therefore going to go engage on his posts. And it does work to a certain extent. But what I do now is I really just focus on the engagement that is coming to my account. So now that I'm at a point where I get a lot of comments, I really make sure that those comments are valued. So I go in and I comment, I start conversations in the comments and I thank people for supporting me. But the first 30, 30 to 45 minutes after I post, which is really you want to have all the focus on your post, I'm active in my comment section. I'm promoting discussion. I'm thanking people and I'm really keeping the attention on my post. And that's what really gets attraction for the explore page, for hashtags and things like that. Gotcha. It does take a long time. Again, I can spend up to four hours just replying to comments and engaging, which I know I have to cut back on. So I don't think that's a realistic thing and obviously not something people, you know, can realistically do. So I don't advise it, but it does help. However, at the end of the day, we, we do ultimately probably want to run a business here. Right. There does reach that point where you have to stop just engaging and spending all that time and start thinking of like profitable ideas or how you can leverage your community towards running a business, which is important. And that actually was going to be my last question. Hmm. How do you find the time and how do you balance the time to be engaged and opposed to do the research, do all those different things and still actually run a business and not just work for Instagram? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it is a huge trap to fall into where you are just working for Instagram. You're just mm -hmm. spending hours and hours of time. And that's the first time I've heard it expressed that way, but instantly resonates with me. Right. It is something to watch out for. So I like to actually block off time. I tell myself, this is my content creation window. And it mm -hmm. typically is batch created on a Saturday, let's say. So mm -hmm. on a Saturday, I will try my best to design all my posts for that week or maybe the next five days. Mm -hmm. And those are set. That's my time there. Then I know I'm going to spend 30, 45 minutes replying to comments. As soon as I post, that's the amount of time I'm spending for engagement there. I might set... 30 more minutes later on during my lunch break to actually comment again and revisit whoever has come back in and engaged my post. I do that. But beyond there, I try to, like you said, focus on the business because I don't want to just be putting all this stuff out there and spending all these hours. And while the support is amazing, we have to run a business at the end of the day. We have to stay motivated by cliche, put food on the table. Yeah, exactly. So. Thank you so much, Lucas. Can you please let everybody know how they can reach out to you? Yeah, right now, just the Lucas O'Keefe on Instagram is the best way to do it. Happy to connect with people over there and they can see these posts we've discussed and a whole lot more too. Great. Now I've got to do this really quick. I almost yep. forgot. Let me insert in a poll question because I want to know how many people 
how many people are struggling with their graphics and their posts on Instagram? How many people are struggling with their content and their graphics on Instagram? And I'm going to post that poll question and I'm going to tag you on there um, because I want you to see, and I'm going to do a screenshot. I want you to see the final numbers of how many people are struggling with their posts and their graphics. So thank you so much, Lucas. And if you do miss, let me just make sure I say this as well. If you do miss that poll question, it will be archived in the highlight section of the podcast poll questions. Now, Lucas, just so you know, you're not off the hook. You will be coming back. So. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You're going to be coming back because we've got to get you on some more things, mentoring moments. We've got to have you back. So thank you so much, Lucas. And we are so glad to receive your knowledge. Thanks a lot. Always great to be here. Always great to share with the community. As always, thanks for listening. And if you got value out of the show, please show us some love and rate us by going to ratethispodcast.com backslash total fit boss chick you're listening to the total fit boss chick podcast bye for now